This podcast may contain inaccurate information, bad language, and spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Merry Christmas and welcome to Agony Art. And can I just take the time to say what an impressive theme tune we now have. Did you hear that, Carl? Yes, I did. Of course. Finally. Regular listeners will know that we were waiting a long time for Liam to write and record that. But it was worth the wait. What a Christmas present he's given us. Thank you, Liam. That's all you're getting. <laughs> you will get bonus sprouts on your plate for that. <laughs> bonus? <laughs> bonus and sprouts. <laughs> now, I hope you've all got a mince pie and a glass of mulled wine because we're here to bring you a Christmas special of the Agony Aunt podcast in which we try to solve your problems not by using our own brain power, no sir, instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve your problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. Over the holidays. Over the holidays. My name's Aaron. I'm an author and an occasional reader of books. And I've got Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our festive studio, cabin in the woods, by the open fire, with children playing in the snow outside. You've really gone all out with the decorations. Uh, well. Liam, would you like another chestnut? Oh, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind some mulled wine. <laughs> say ho 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 boys ho, 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 ho. <laughs> how would you say ho 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 if you're santa give me your ho ho ho, ho, ho. oh so like kind of quiet standard aaron ho, ho, ho. i like that so jolly yeah i'm more of a ho, ho, ho. oh i like that one a lot it always sounded like a bird do you think um father christmas like if he stubs his toe he goes ho ho <laughs> is that the only thing he can say? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know, do we? What do you know about him? <laughs> you know about him. <laughs> uh, so I've been thinking, lads, planning your ideal Christmas dinner. If you could invite any artist round to spend Christmas with you, who would you choose? Well, for me, it's got to be the late, great Frank Sinatra. Hopefully he'll turn up on time. Um, <laughs> I did hear he was quite late. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, what a character. And also, he can sing a load of Christmas songs for you. That's true. And what a voice. Not the Buble then? Uh, no, I mean, no no disrespect to Buble. I, I like Buble. I think he's good at what he does. But You're not trying to start any Buble beef? No. <laughs> and you're out Michael, order, if you're listening, please sponsor us. I think you're out of order. <laughs> you want him to come around just so he can sing to you? No. <laughs> That's the last thing he wants to do at Christmas Day is sing. Well, I disagree. He seems like a very, very gentle chap. I think he'd love a little song. I think he'd be quite happy to be brought back to life for a day as well. Yeah. <laughs> he'd do anything. That is true, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Carl? Um, I'm struggling to think of this one. This isn't prepped in advance, so I don't really know. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'm a big fan of Russell Crowe, but he'd probably end up fighting me. Um, <laughs> He's famous for that. I really like Al Pacino films. He'd end up shooting you with a machine gun. He might shoot me. He might have my family murdered. Um, <laughs> yeah, so 
like Ryan Gosling and end up running away with my wife. Uh, <laughs> or you. Or, or me, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so who would I like over? Let's just go with um, Mel Gibson in full William Wallace regalia. <laughs> because Braveheart is a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, well, we could have that debate. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, it sounds like you've, you're both hosting Christmases, which I would avoid. <laughs> <laughs> So before we begin, what I want to make. What about you? What about, you? What about me? Yeah. I haven't prepared anything, and I don't want to answer the question now. <laughs> what is this? What is this? You can't just have, you can't just dodge the question. I want to. Like I want to put you both on the spot and then just move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to rotate hosting ability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure. I <laughs> Wasn't this your idea? <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, I don't, yeah. see here, this is a problem, right? And I think both of you have this problem as well. Everyone has this problem. You don't really want to meet your heroes, do you? Like you invite them around for dinner and then they make a tit of themselves. They spill their dinner everywhere. They steal all, the, all of the sprouts. How many times they has this happened to you? Put their cock in the mulled wine. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, one, which one of them did that? <laughs> Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> well, pick someone that isn't your hero then. Uh, yeah, who'd you hate who can't you be more disappointed <laughs> by? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's invite Dan Brown round. He can spend all Christmas Day talking about the Da Vinci Code, and I'll just switch off, <laughs> have go. a Christmas nap. <laughs> <laughs> so before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we are not here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified, one hundred percent trivial or fictional pickles. And any advice we give should almost certainly never be followed. I wanted to make that very clear because I don't think I've made it clear enough in previous episodes. Talking in the pickles makes me a little bit hungry, actually. Yeah? Yeah. But the sprouts didn't. No. You're not a big fan of sprouts. This is a Christmas special, Carl. You should at least pretend to like sprouts. Yeah, that's true. I do like sprouts, actually. Yeah? I love sprouts. Sprouts in bacon. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Some lovely lardons on there. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we're only here to have a bit of fun and spread the joy of the art we love and the joy of Christmas. So if you're having a really hard time, I'd recommend redirecting your one horse open sleigh to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So with that said, let's get on with it. I've never considered the one horse open sleigh thing. Who's, who's writing that in that song? Just someone having fun at Christmas time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not not for Christmas. Not. No, he's got reindeer, hasn't he? Yeah, he's more, got more than one. Reindeer. Yeah, quite a few of them. Can you but name Rudolph. Can you name him? Dasher and Prancer and Donner and Blitz and no. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot Rudolph. Oh yeah, that goes without saying, doesn't he? Uh, here's our first problem of the day. My partner keeps hinting about a Christmas present, which is really expensive. It's been a rough year and I really can't afford it. What should I do? What do you two want for Christmas? I'm still waiting on that year's wages you promised me a few episodes back. (laughs) I think we said we'd do what we could. Yeah, Yeah, we've cobbled together nothing. (laughs) Hang on, I've got got a verbal agreement. I'm pretty sure that's legally binding. (laughs) I always say to my wife, I just want a few nice words in a card. You don't even get that, do you? <laughs> you I'm <get> always disappointed. <laughs> Dear Carl, Merry Christmas from wife. <laughs> no, she always does very well. 
<laughs> Love you. <laughs> so scared of her. I, I find that as we get older, I don't really care much for presents. Not I don't worry. Right. So I don't mean that when people get me presents, I'm like, oh, what's this? I don't like it. What, what I mean is, I love the idea of Liam just going ape shit. Like, <laughs> I didn't want a fucking present. <laughs> what I mean is, if nobody got me anything, I wouldn't be that upset. I don't really feel like I need presents to enjoy Christmas. It's the right. season of giving. It's not the season of receiving, is it? Yeah. That's for another <laughs> podcast, Liam. <laughs> That's for our late night special. <laughs> okay, so what do the what do the um, pieces of art tell us? Who wants to start? I think this is the perfect question to kick off with. Um, Die Hard. So we're, we're Die gonna... Hard, the classic Christmas film. Yes, we're gonna have that debate first. Is yeah. Die Hard a Christmas film? Uh, no. <laughs> tell me why. Uh, what's it got to do with Christmas? Just because well, it's set at Christmas. That no, there's more than Christmas that. Film. Um, he says, he writes on Carl's, is it Carl's dead body? No, Heinrich's dead body. Now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. It's snowing. It's Christmas Eve. Santa doesn't make an appearance though, does he? Well, actually, he t- <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> I've not really seen Die Hard enough to comment, I think. So I'm going to be on the fence for this one. You two can convince me either it's way. It's set at a Christmas party. What are the main themes of the film and how do they tie in with Christmas? Terrorism. Well, actually, you say that. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, <laughs> so, John McClane is on an aeroplane flying to LA from New York to reconcile with his wife, Holly McClane, but she's going by Holly Gennaro, which tells you straight away something's afoot. They're not close. Something's There's going fuckery on. afoot. There's fuckery afoot. <laughs> So he's going to win her back at her Christmas work party, work Christmas party in Nakatomi Plaza in LA. Um, he goes to get changed, and then terrorists, German terrorists. And that's you know that's new. The worst kind. <laughs> Germans beer market Christmas. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They. Um, <laughs> you can't make the stretches for him, Lee. <laughs> <Get your point. laughs> they infiltrate the complex on the basis of being having a terrorist kind of um objective but really they're there to steal bearer bonds which will equate to over a billion dollars in today's money yeah and john mcclain is he's gone to get changed when the terrorists come in or the thieves and then that allows him to single-handedly try and take down the group and save his wife and you're telling me it's not a Christmas film. <laughs> so, Did any of that sound Christmas themed to you, Liam? Well, so except it, it, the it fact that it was like, snowing. It sounds like it's about bringing family closer together, which is quite a nice Christmas theme. <laughs> uh, is there a fire at any point? Did I get warm around it? There's explosions. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, there is. There's C4. I by the explosion. C4 all over the place, yeah. Come, kids, let's sing songs around the explosion. So my list of why it's Christmassy are it's snowing. It's Christmas Eve, it's a work Christmas party, and Heinrich's jump has now have a machine gun, ho, 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 written on it. I think terrorism has nothing to do with Christmas. Is that your only argument? Okay, that's fair. (laughs) I'm going to offer a third way. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) If you like to watch Die Hard at Christmas, fair play. If you don't, fine. So you've started this debate, Hmm. and it's it's gone quite well. We've got an independent adjudicator. We've got two people arguing each side. Oh, man. And then at the end of it, before (laughs) your opponent got a chance to say anything you, you said, said it cares. doesn't matter <laughs> you, yeah well i don't think we need a conclusion anyway i think the re- the listeners will draw their own conclusions what i'm more interested in at the moment carl is what on earth has this got to do with this person's expensive <laughs> present problem <laughs> it's a very good point and um i've probably gone on about die hard enough but um 
the point is, in my opening statement, if you like, I said that there was uh, trouble afoot in the McLean household. They were opposite ends of the country. There's our ice cream man. Woohoo! Um, Classic. It's Christmas and there's an ice cream man. <laughs> Why can't we play a Christmas song? Um, so what do you get? What has he done to reconcile his relationship? You might not know, but at the end, they kind of walk off together. Well, they get into a limo together and they're happy and it's back together again. So if you can't afford something expensive, be unbelievably heroic to impress her. Stop her terrible. <laughs> That's freak. the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> uh, it dawned on me just now we haven't come up with a name for this person. Oh, good point. Uh, and I'm going to suggest Hans. Oh, after Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Did yeah. you know this was um, Alan Rickman's first film? No way. Really? Yeah. Um, what I do know about it is probably the same fun fact as everyone knows. Um, you know when he falls from the building at the end? Yeah. They said to him that they were going to drop him on three and then they dropped him on two. So, so that he would have a real surprised face. That's so good. I love that. Um, what's your favourite Die Hard film? Three. Three. I love three as well. Yeah. It's, not, it's probably not the strongest film, but it's like the most enjoyable one. So, I mean, no offence, Carl. That, I think that example is a little bit out there. There's, there's, there's an, some more examples from the music industry, which are a little bit kind of closer to the original problem. <laughs> Carl's solution was a massive stretch for the problem. It could be a local community gang. <laughs> Well, back in 1984, there was a, a band that you may have heard of called Wham. Never heard of them. Always believe in your soul. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and they released a song in 1984 at Christmas time. Actually, it was a single that was a double A side. So a Wham Christmas song. I don't know how many springs to mind. Can you name it? Um, yeah, so last Christmas. You could have said it, made things easier for me, but never mind. I was hoping that you'd all come in and it'd end up like a pitch perfect scenario. Uh, Got a total a cappella version of the song. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, do you know what the double A side was? What is a double A side? So, double A side <laughs> is, is a single. What is it? A single that gets released where there's actually two songs on the A side. So, usually a single has an A side that is the single that gets in the chart and a B side which is a song that gets released with the single but doesn't chart and people just listen to it. And it's usually, well, most of the time, it's not as good as the single. Okay. Um, double A side is when you actually release both songs at once. So they both can be played in the chart. But due to the way sales work, they both share the same chart position. It's mm. a little bit weird. Sounds greedy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the double A side was a song called Everything She Wants, which is about a man who basically feels like he works solely to keep his partner happy and kind of fulfill her materialistic demands. The quote from the song is, some people work for a living, some people work for fun. Girl, I just work for you. And he's, he's really not happy about it. In the second verse, he's like, I don't even think I love you. He's like, kicking off. That's very dramatic. I didn't know that that was a double A side with um, Last Christmas. Yeah. and you know That's what's incredible. Really, you know what's really interesting? Did you, did you know that this single, the double A side, with both those songs, holds the record for being the highest selling song, or sorry, highest, highest selling single that never reached number one. It got to number really? two. It's, it's something like the 12th biggest selling single of all time. Um, it got to number two because in 1984, there was another Christmas song 
that wipe the floor with it. Band-Aid? Do they know it's Christmas? Wow. Poor year to be George Michael then. Mm. He was on that though, wasn't he? So he was number one and two. Yeah. He, I was about to say he made a lot of money, but he probably didn't. It's for charity, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my money? <laughs> I thought I was going to be paid for this. <laughs> uh, another fun fact about this song. Did you know that not too long ago, well, at the time of recording, 2020, it was covered by Alien Ant Farm, who apparently are still going. what last christmas was or everything Uh, she wants everything she wants Ah, that's my favorite wham song is it i don't even know it the only reason i know it is because it features in the gta 5 soundtrack (laughs) Um, it's really good carl check it it out later all of this new band wham Wham. check them out (laughs) how how you spell him wham w h w ham w ham -ham. exclamation Exclamation mark mark. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so so get back get back to hans's problem George Michael's pretty angry in this song. I don't think mm. you need to be that angry. But the point is, you know, be honest with her. You don't necessarily need an expensive Christmas if you're happy in each other's company. And that's the message I'd take from it. Yep. I, while I was researching, I found a uh, short story collection called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by Gene Shepard, published by Bantam Doubleday Dell. There's a story in this collection in which a small boy wants just one thing. For Christmas, a Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. That sounds wicked. <laughs> He's a little boy. Does he want to shoot down Santa with it? <laughs> I'm not sure actually what he wants. I suppose it'd be it too late by that point, wouldn't it? Yeah, because Santa's already delivered it. Maybe he wants it for next year. But everyone he asks, obviously, says no and tells him the same thing You're going to shoot your eye out. And obviously, it's a ridiculous present for a kid. So his dad obviously buys him a gun. Because what else would you buy a kid for Christmas? He takes the gun outside, shoots a target, and the BB bounces off and knocks his glasses off. And while he's looking for them, he steps on his glasses and crushes them. So in a way, he did shoot his eye out. Just Yeah, just not physically. So the lesson from this story should have been, if there's a good reason not to have the present, like it will take your eye out or sorry but I can't afford it then once you've spelled it out as you say Liam just say to them be honest I can't afford that present sorry do you know how old the kid was? Uh, three so I think, the, I think <laughs> no the, I think I think he was seven or eight I think still the, an inappropriate age yeah, for a I gun. think the real moral of the story is don't give a rifle to an eight year old so that's what I'm saying so the moral of the story should have been if there's a good reason to have it just tell them the reason and that should be the end of it don't get them the present but obviously this story takes a turn and he does actually get the gun. So um, I don't really know how to work with that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a premise in there. I can feel yeah. it. It's bubbling. It's bubbling under. I think it's what Liam said. Don't buy a kid a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next example is along the lines of what Liam said, which is very wise, I think. Well done, Liam. <laughs> First um, wise thing you've ever done, Liam. I didn't mention, sorry, you go, Die Hard was 1998. 1988, directed by John McTiernan. Sorry, I missed that out. But Love Actually, from 2003, directed by Richard Curtis, as we well know. We we all know this film well, surely. Uh, what's your favourite quote from it, Carl? Where the fuck's my fucking coat? <laughs> That's beautiful. What's your favourite quote from it? It's that as well. I can't think of any other quotes from it, actually. <laughs> if you'd have asked me first, I would have actually have said that. Would you? Oh, sorry, Liam. Um... <laughs> Martin and McCutcheon, National Treasure. It's the one where um, 
Bill Nye does the Wet 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 song, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, singing Christmas is all around. Christmas is all around. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this is a film, if to describe the plot, we'll take the whole podcast because there's, what, Four. ten... Four, ten. <laughs> I was going to say like four main storylines. Yeah, there's a, a lot of interlocking storylines that don't really interlock. They're just characters meet each other. And um, if it wasn't so Christmassy, and if I didn't have a lot of fondness for it, it'd be a really shit film, I think. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. I think it's quite good. It's... But none of it makes sense, really. <laughs> and, and there's so much corny crap in it. I absolutely love it. Don't get me wrong at all. Like the whole Andrew Lincoln with the cards... You that know. is the creepiest bit about it. That's just totally glossed over in the film, and it's supposed to be a really sweet thing. Yeah, but he is a creep. <laughs> he He's really like is. Yeah. Absolutely stalking his best friend's wife, <laughs> who kisses and, him for it. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, thanks for stalking me." <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jesus fucking Christ. That's um. If you can think of the worst quote, uh, my wife says, "Kieran Knightley saying, I look quite pretty, don't I?" <laughs> <laughs> And I think and something about pie as well. She says, uh, "My awful taste in pie," or something like that. <laughs> she really is bad in it. I've got to say. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in it. A lot yeah. of good stuff. Hugh Grant, his dancing, his general standing up to Billy Bob Thornton. Hugh Grant's um, had a bit of a reconnaissance, um, hasn't he? Yeah, a with Grant. his recent roles, Paddington and yeah. um, the Gentleman. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Hugh Grant's an absolute lad. Yeah, he can do what he wants because he's done enough yeah. rom coms. <laughs> Big fan of Hugh Grant. Me too. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the reason I bring up Love Actually is, do you remember in the, I think the opening scene where there's a wedding and then um, in the church, loads of people, they kind of flash mob and sing All You Need Is Love. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that is, you know, that's the, the message of Love Actually is, all you need is love. And oh, that okay, is yeah. the, the best gift you can give. That's uh, that's a message that is also preached. I mean, I think this is the obvious one, but I, I couldn't miss it out. By uh, none other than Mariah Carey in 1994, ten years after Wham failed to reach number one. Uh, or sorry, let's put a more positive spin on that. Ten years after Band Aid successfully reached number one with their charity single, <laughs> Mariah Carey released her 1994 Christmas album. Did you know about this? No. Called Merry Christmas. <laughs> she missed out on Mariah Christmas there, didn't she? Really? Oh, that, that's good. That's good. Mariah Christmas. You should, you should write to her. I reckon she'd still be up for that. Um, okay. And of course, it's her most famous, I think, I don't think that's controversial to say, Song. Christmas hit, All I Want for Christmas is You. She makes bank off of that annually, didn't she? She mm. must do. And... I think she deserves it because that is the number one Christmas song for me ever. And at the time, they considered it a bit of a risk. So... They weren't even sure if they were going to record it. This is too mega, what? this hit. We can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> this might be too much to handle. Well, it was, it was the, the decision to make the Christmas album at all. They were like, well, Christmas songs, you know, they're usually recorded by artists who have already peaked and they're kind of going downhill a bit. They're at the end of their career. Mariah was, was you know, she was in her prime at this She's stage. in the middle of a peak, wasn't she? Yes, but they nearly didn't record Imagine if we didn't have that song. Well, so like when, a, when was this? Mid-90s? Mm. Yeah, 94. Since then, she has pretty much been on the down, <laughs> downhill slope, hasn't she? Yeah, she has a bit of a, a Mariah sense, you know, with, um, you know, uh, We Belong Together. Yeah. She's like, that's your... That one. That's a good song. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah she's she always in the background, isn't she? Yeah. She's always lingering. Mariah is a lingerer. 
She'd probably turn up at your door with cards one day. <laughs> Just saying, I've always loved you, Carl. All I want for Christmas is you. You can have me, Mariah. So while, while writing the album as well, she allegedly uh, ornamented her house with Christmas decorations. Uh, and this was in the summer of 1994, so this was like well before actual Christmas time, but she just wanted to get into the spirit. That's nice. And, uh, yeah, I can, yeah, I can really relate to her for some <laughs> yeah, reason. I'm not sure well, why. In so our log, ca- log cabin here, children <laughs> playing in the snow outside with an ice cream van. <laughs> Liam, can, Liam, can you throw another log on the fire? It's going uh, Oof. Liam for his log. Keep, keep doing visual <laughs> gags. Yeah, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> we really need a vlog, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, well, I'm going to... Echo this point for the third time. I hadn't, I hadn't really made the point. You think oh. it's clear enough? Yeah. Um, you were oh, saying, what I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Like big, big <laughs> elaborate gifts aren't important. Yeah. Well, aren't necessarily important. Sometimes they are. Are they? I don't know. What's the message? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the message, Liam. From A Christmas Memory, which is a short story by Truman Capote, who wrote uh, In Cold Blood and Breakfast at Tiffany's. The book, not the song. Um, <laughs> also starred in the film Capote. E- no. <laughs> I mean, he was... He, oh. <laughs> he was definitely the subject of the film, though. Uh, this is a short, story about a short story about a young boy and his elderly cousin who are best friends. And they look forward to Christmas every year because they've got these lovely little rituals. They perform together. They save up their pennies and... They buy each other presents and they collect nuts and make fruitcakes together. And obviously with a fruitcake, you'd make it with... This was during Prohibition, so alcohol was illegal. But they were making it with whiskey and then they both get drunk on the whiskey, even though he's only a little boy. So it's set in a simpler time when these people are getting oranges and hand-knitted scarves and stuff like that. And this Christmas... This boy and his cousin have made each other kites and they're just thrilled with them. They go to a meadow and they fly their kites together all day while they were eating the older cousin's oranges that she got for Christmas. And the boy, after this, the boy gets sent to military school and they stay in touch, but the elderly cousin eventually succumbs to dementia. It's a bit of a sad ending. But it's a lovely story, isn't it? Despite that sad ending. And it makes you wish times were a bit simpler now and our avaricious relatives would be happy with a knitted scarf or maybe just spending a bit of time with us instead of wanting expensive presents so uh, this is echoing your points big presents aren't really necessary are they and maybe you can teach your partner this this is my advice by buying a copy of this short story and you know how people who want expensive presents they buy a catalogue with that present in and they circle the present sometimes and they leave it open in the house for their partner to find has, has that Maybe ever happened she, to you? Uh, no but you know you hear of people it's probably not happened in the last 10 years it, <laughs> <laughs> you hear of people who you know want an expensive present and do that maybe you could buy a copy of this book just leave it open on a counter for your partner to find maybe they'll read it hands and have a revelation. <laughs> Realise that their materialistic tendencies were unnecessary and they'll just ask for a satsuma and a snog. Sounds good to me. Because or be- they'll just say, why have you left this book lying around? <laughs> Can you clean up your fucking books? <laughs> I once got and one. buy me an expensive present. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, my mum once put an orange in my stocking for a laugh and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> Why would that be hilarious? I don't get it. Well, because it was like, this is what we used to get, like you say. <laughs> and you and I was just like, what laugh. the fuck is this? 
<laughs> you just laughed in her face. And actually, it happened to me a second time in around 2012. Uh, my wife bought me an orange for Christmas. Yeah. And um, I opened it first and was like, oh, thanks. I really feigned like amazing. But she actually bought me um, an old fashioned cocktail, like a ready made oh, bottle. Okay, yeah. And I should have opened that first because you put an orange peel in the cocktail. Yeah. Oh, I was yes. like, oh. But yeah, so I've received a couple of oranges. <laughs> Hans. Nice. And were they the best presents you've ever received? Well, I remember them, don't I? Well, there you go. See, Hans, there you go. I think this is a first. I, I don't think a single one of those pieces of advice contradicted. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> and you didn't say, all I want for Christmas is you, or do I? Leave a leave. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of did. <laughs> well, I'm just going to, well, if we're reaching the end, then I'll wrap up with an off the wall suggestion. In Starry Night by Debbie Macomba, Debbie Macoma, uh, I'll look that up, <laughs> maybe, or I'll just leave this in, published by Cornerstone Digital. This is a Christmassy book in which a columnist, Carrie Slayton, makes a deal with her editor. She says, if I can get an interview with this reclusive author, who's a bit like Bear Grylls, He's written a Surviving in the Wilderness book. If I can get an interview with him, then I'll be bumped up to work on the meatier stories that I actually want to cover. This is the plot to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days so far. Is it? Yeah. Um, now, I don't need... Uh, it might just be that the whole way through because I'm not even going to go any further. Okay. My suggestion is, like this person, Hans, you could make a deal with your partner. Tell you, Tell them that if they really want that present, then they'll have to make it worth your while and give them a really expensive present or a really hard to get present for them to give you. You know, if you're really going to pull together all of your pennies and buy this expensive present for them, get them to make it worth your while. And if you really can't afford it, this is my idea, right? <laughs> if you really can't afford it, but you want to use this solution, you could make their end of the deal impossible as well. And then, because it's impossible, they'll never be able to achieve it. So you can say, well, I didn't get you that present either. Or it doesn't can't. sound like grounds for a happy relationship, <laughs> if I'm being honest. You could, you could all say, okay, I'll get you that present, but I want some cash from you. <laughs> yeah, and I want it before Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my off the wall suggestion. Take it or leave it, Hans. Uh, well, you could take a lot of um, off the wall suggestions from Love, actually. You could dive into a lake <laughs> you can um, stalk them none of them don't do that help with the problem though <laughs> no. uh, you can run through airport security yeah can you imagine doing that now they and then you'll end up yeah you'll end up getting shot <laughs> yeah. so. um, happy well, christmas <laughs> you can you can learn to play the drums and play in a band yeah and sing the mariah carey song all i want for christmas is you it's all coming together it is what a wrap up yeah Whoa there, Rudolph. What have we here? It's Christmas time at Agony Art. They are full of festive cheer. There's tinsel trees, some fresh mince pies, and a keg of German beer. The hosts can't wait till Christmas Day, but for them there'll be a twist. For I have heard their crude podcast, and they're on the naughty list. Right, should we move on to problem two? I hate Christmas.
Is this problem two or just, <laughs> just confessing? <laughs> I hate Christmas. Now, problem two. No, that was part of the problem. <laughs> I hate Christmas. I don't get it. It's cold, busy and expensive. All my friends love Christmas and I have to go to all these events they organise even though I don't enjoy a second of it. How can I tell them I want to hibernate until mid-January without losing them as friends? Well, it's obvious that this guy's called Scrooge, right? Oh, very nice. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, Carl, because there's a Christmas carol by Charles Dickens. Never heard of it. Well, let me tell you about it. No, everybody knows You got the this. name wrong anyway. Charles Dickens at Muppets Christmas Carol, right? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. A Muppets Christmas Carol. So, <laughs> um, everybody knows this story because everybody's seen A Muppets Christmas Carol, right? So, it feels wrong to have to mansplain it to everyone. Please do, though. But here I go. <laughs> Scrooge is a moody old wanker <laughs> who just... Just wants to count his money and do a sad face and tell everyone to bugger off. That's, that's verbatim Dickens, I think. Yeah, that, that was chapter one. <laughs> chapter one. Scrooge was a moody old wanker. <laughs> <laughs> He's visited by three spirits who show him Christmas past and Christmas, Christmas present and Christmas yet to come to obviously teach him the error of his ways. And... When he realises the path that he's on leads to loneliness and depression and uh, no one missing him when he dies, he starts crying and promises to change, basically. Well, if, if I may interject, because, yeah, okay, you've told us the story of A Christmas Carol, but as Carl alluded to, nobody tells it quite as well as Jim Henson in the 1992 film The Muppets Christmas Carol. Excuse me, are you saying the word film? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And was Aaron even finished? <laughs> well, you know, this is a little bit awkward for the listeners. We don't really talk about our ideas much before we come. And we didn't know that we were going to both be talking about the same thing. I guess this would happen. So I have not got a Muppet's Christmas Carol as my, uh, one of my examples. <laughs> but but I, think, I think we can work together on this one. Yeah. So, so this... this I mean, show me, Liam. This is the point, right? <laughs> show me a way. I hate this. You... <laughs> You don't want to be thought of by others the way that Michael Caine Scrooge is in, in The Muppet's Christmas Carol. He really is going into the film. <laughs> You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Is that a quote from it, right? Well, there is a quote from it. It's not that. <laughs> uh, there, there's a song. In the song Scrooge, they sing, There goes Mr. Outrage. There goes Mr. Sneer. He has no time for friends or fun. His anger makes that clear. They hate him, right? They hate him so much... That when he dies in the vision of Christmas future, they literally celebrate. <laughs> they go, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, and this is, the, this is part of the point, right? You don't, you don't want to be Scrooge, Scrooge. We called him Scrooge, didn't we? <laughs> he's called Scrooge. <laughs> Change your name. <laughs> Bar humbug. <laughs> um, yeah, no, exactly. That was my point. But I didn't want to be too victim blamey. Because as we've discussed before, my wife thinks that we're way too victim-blamey on this podcast. So, I'm leaving it a bit more open. You can be Scrooge if you want to be Scrooge, Scrooge. <laughs> Have you seen the BBC adaption that was on no. last year? No. With um, Guy Pearce was Pierce, in it, wasn't yeah. it? Did you watch it? someone else. Someone else was definitely in it too. I, saw, I think I saw the first 30 minutes I've, and we didn't watch the rest. I watched the first two or three last year for some reason I haven't seen the third one but it does kind of go on that basis where it shows a bit of um, Scrooge's 
past, but he was abused as a boy in like a boarding school. Oh, and okay. um, there's a reason why he's Scrooge. Yeah. So you're right not to victim blame. Everyone loves an origin story, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge, the early years. Why do we fall, sir? So we can learn to pick ourselves up again. And hate Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, so my point is, you know, Christmas. we're all adults here. Christmas is like everything else in life. You can decide your own level of involvement, Scrooge. You don't have to, if it's, maybe you can spend a bit more time thinking about it and think about what you actually hate about Christmas and just leave that bit out. So, you know, you don't have to embrace the religious side, for instance. I don't believe in any of that, but I still celebrate Christmas because I bloody love sprouts and mince pies. With bacon. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And you don't have to spend loads of money or decorate your house or, you know, even see anyone if you want to. But, yeah, as Liam says, you don't want to push everyone away either and become the real Scrooge. Kill their vibe. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say, I think the message from the Muppets Christmas Carol is if, <laughs> if you can, focus on the nice things. There's a song in it, um, probably one of the most famous songs from the film called It Feels Like Christmas. Uh, they play it during the credits as well, I believe. Uh, and there's a line from it that says, a cup of kindness that we share with another, a sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. Isn't that no, beautiful? It's all That's around very me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I disagree with both of you. Oh, yeah. Here we go. We've got two examples. Um, first one is The Holiday 2006, directed by Nancy Myers. Have you seen it? The Holiday, is that yeah. the one where they house swap? Yes. Mm. Um, they both have turbulent love dramas. So Cameron Diaz... Um, her husband's been cheating on her. And if I recall, her husband's John Hamm. Remember John Hamm? Really? Yeah. Do I remember John Hamm? <laughs> yeah. <Do you> remember <laughs> him? Is he an actor or a character? Um, he's he's the, an actor. The pig from Toy Story. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> love him. <laughs> and um, Kate Winslet is in love with her, in my opinion, kind of ugly kind of boss guy who like manipulates her, doesn't he? We don't make superficial judgments on this <laughs> podcast, Carl. <Yeah, but laughs> we shouldn't do, but I'm like, why are you in love with this guy? <laughs> um, and he gets engaged, so they're like, oh my God, Christmas is going to be terrible. I'm going to be on my own. It's going to be awful. So they swap houses. Um, Cameron Diaz lives in LA in a lovely mansion. Kate Winslet lives in a lovely little cottage in Surrey. Um, very snowy and all that. So they swap. Um, and, you know, things happen. <laughs> great summary of the plot there yeah. I think that summarises every film really doesn't it in all so, of my examples I say things happen to the be film honest. starts things happen it ends um, really what well, they're trying to run away from their lives and run away from Christmas because everyone's like oh I need a boyfriend for Christmas that kind of thing I need a girlfriend for Christmas I've got to do this for Christmas can't be alone at Christmas for some reason mm. um, because they think it'll make it very miserable but but when they run away they both find love Cameron Diaz gets to fall in love with uh, Kate Winslet's brother Jude Law or there's character names also (laughs) (laughs) and um, Kate Winslet falls in love with Jack Black which is like you know when you're reading the script it's like oh am I going to get Jude Law no I've got Jack Black but (laughs) (laughs) again you're making judgments about Jack Black I bet he's so much more fun though isn't he I bet he is yeah he sings lots of songs he writes songs like you Liam Uh, in the film he sounds like a great guy (laughs) big recommendation (laughs) while we're on the subject Mm. Jack Black's YouTube channel yeah. If you haven't watched it, Jablinski Games. He's a gamer vlogger now. Oh, is he? He does it with his kids. Oh, man. That. He plays like Doom and stuff, and his kids sitting next to him going, You shouldn't have done that. And he's like, 
<laughs> and he plays uh, Red Dead Redemption and he's so bad at it. <laughs> he's, he's like, um, I'm going to negotiate with this man. <laughs> I don't want to shoot you. And then he gets shot, obviously, because <laughs> you can't negotiate. I like Jack Black a lot. I like Jack Black, yeah. Um, Big fan. And in he's got a girlfriend in LA, but she's not right for him. And Kate Wizard kind of falls in love with him. And then they get together, and that's really nice. Um, but the point of the whole thing of me talking about it is that you can't actually escape Christmas, I don't think. You can be Scrooge, you can not like it, but you can't run away from it. So, Christmas will get you. <laughs> it will hunt you down and destroy you. <laughs> so just embrace it. Find a way of embracing it. Spend it with the ones you love. Um, I'll let one of you go, then I've got another example of that very I'm not, point. I'm not sure you really disagree with us there. Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you did You did basically say the same thing as us. Well, I'm saying that don't... Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think you can escape it, so try and enjoy it. Well, let me tell you, Carl, how the Grinch stole Christmas. You're lucky I didn't put that down as well, yeah? I tried to, tried to anticipate. Yeah, I almost went for some music. Well, you should all remember that these things, the source material for all of these things was books. So <laughs> just stay out of my area, okay? Um, now... The Grinch, famous character, a bit like Scrooge. Every one of the Grinch's neighbours bloody loves Christmas. The Who's? The Who's? The Who's. But he hates it and he's not ashamed to tell everyone about it. And he goes as far as stealing all of their stuff to ruin it for them as well. He steals their trees, their presents, everything. But I think what I'm going to say here is just that you shouldn't do that. (laughs) But you should be like the Grinch and just be proud of, just tell everyone. The Grinch isn't ashamed of himself. He's just telling everyone that he hates Christmas. Maybe you should just do that. Just don't go to these events. Just, yeah. yeah, if your friends are bothering you because they're inviting you to all these events and they want it to be expensive for you and stuff, just say, look, fuck off. I hate Christmas. I'm going up to Mount Crumpet. <laughs> and it, it might not be a popular opinion, but there, there's some people in the music industry that encourage that as well. So um, back in 1975, Greg Lake of Emerson, Lake and Palmer fame he was also in the band the prog rock band king crimson if you heard of them so um, he released a song called i believe in father christmas which you probably know no nope. some very vacant looks it's the one that goes <laughs> they said there'll be snow at christmas oh they yeah said there'll, there'll be, be peace, peace on earth. earth um i know it yeah well, there you go and greg, greg lake he talked about this song on his website greglake.com if you're listening greg lake free sponsorship <laughs> free sponsorship and he says he, he talks about it. it's a it's an audio clip so you can actually hear him talking about it which is makes a nice change I think this is the future <laughs> how do we get involved in this <laughs> he says um, it was really about objecting to the commercialization of Christmas and he, he goes on to talk about how Christmas should be about the joy of giving but a lot of the time it's not and I think this is particularly evident in the lyric I believed in Father Christmas and I looked at the sky with excited eyes, till I woke with a yawn at the first sight of dawn and saw through him and his disguise. Ooh. And it's quite an upbeat song, really, isn't it? Like, Well, I don't think anyone listens to songs that deeply. Yeah. No. And no one ever gets their point, like, yeah, I really wanted this to be like anti-establishment. And they were like, <laughs> I believe in fucking Christmas. <laughs> Fuck him and his little red coat. <laughs> <laughs> so, fun, fun fact about this song. Um, the early 20th century Russian composer Sergei Prokofiev. Is this the guy that did the opera that we were going to finish? 
no. <laughs> <laughs> but we did mention him on the Presenters Problem special episode when we were talking about playing classical music to plants. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he has a writing credit on this song because the instrumental, like, instrumental section used between each verse is taken from one of his orchestral suites. But yeah, so what's the point? The advice from Greg Lake is you don't necessarily have to accept a cynical commercialisation of Christmas. Um, yeah, so I've got a kind of another Scroogey character uh, from film, 2003's Bad Santa. Have you seen it? Uh, I've heard of it. Was it? Um, oh, no. I'm thinking of Bad Grandpa. That's oh. weird, that. Is that the one with... Uh, That's like Johnny Knoxville, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, this is uh, Billy Bob Thornton. It's uh, directed by Terry Zwigoff. Um, I'll talk a little bit. Aaron, if you could direct, if I could direct you to um, my research Christmas special notes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, this is about Willie, who's a more Santa, played by Billy Bob Thornton. Um, he's a bad Santa, as you would have guessed. He swears, he turns up drunk, flirts with mums. Um, so not a good guy. Um, he the open the film opens with him quoting um, in a little monologue. I've been to prison once. I've been married twice. I was once drafted by Lyndon Johnson and had to live in shit ass Mexico for two and a half years for no reason. I've had my eye socket punched in, a kidney taken out, and I've got a bone chip in my ankle that's never going to heal. I've seen some pretty shitty situations in my life, but nothing has ever sucked more ass than this. If I known I was going to going to have to put up with screaming brats pissing on my lap for days out of the year. I would have killed myself a long time ago. Come to think of it, I still might. <laughs> so he's not a happy chappy. Cheerful Christmas film. He's a bit scroogey. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but he's actually a thief. Um, but also to kind of summarise what kind of sanitary he is, um, Aaron, you play woman in food court. Okay. We're going to do a scene. Yeah. <clears throat> Look who's here, Jimmy. It's Santa. Great, fucking great. Let's tell him what you want for Christmas. Fuck. I'm on my fucking lunch break, okay? Are you insane? Management's gonna hear about this. Think that's a threat? You really think you can make my fucking life any worse? You go right ahead. Be my fucking guest. Take a shot. Nice. It was good Scene. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> and if you want to hear the full Agony Art production of Bad Santa, <laughs> listen to our Patreon-only episode. So, um, yes. That doesn't exist, by the way. <laughs> So he's, doesn't, he's not happy about being a mall Santa, um, but he's not really a mall Santa. He's actually a thief, and he works with Marcus, who's an elf. So he's a real piece of shit. Um, <laughs> when he moves to this particular area where the mall is, he just moves into a random house that's got like a woman with Alzheimer's in and a kid called Furman Merman. And the kid is like just, ha- he gets bullied at school. He's just happy to have a friend that this random drunk guy has turned up, and they become kind of friends. And Willie starts to kind of. Um, Really care for Furman, Merman. And uh, when he's getting bullied, he goes and beats the kids up. And then when the <laughs> elf guy says, where have you been? He goes, I'll beat the shit out of some kids today. But it was for a purpose. And um, Willie basically <laughs> finds the spirit of Christmas. Furman Merman teaches him, you know, he becomes friends with him. So my point is that if this guy can find a little bit of spirit of Christmas, Scrooge. I was wondering, like throughout that whole thing, it was quite a long summary of the plot. I was thinking, where is he going with it? What is the point? <laughs> Have I made how a is, point? How is he going to get to a point? And then you made it. Have I pulled one out? <laughs> yeah. You've pulled your point out. <laughs> Put your point away. <laughs> Sorry, he's come out again. So yeah, if this guy can find a bit of spirit of Christmas, I think that you can, he ends up living in the house with the Alzheimer's lady, the kid and a stripper, and they live happily ever after. <laughs> there you go. I think I am going to make a point that's... Just like yours, Carl. 
<laughs> Are you going to get my point way? out? We can get our points out and compare them. <laughs> okay. Have you got a ruler, Liam? <laughs> In The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen. This is a story from a long time ago. Uh, it tells the story of a tiny fir tree, the smallest one in the forest, who just wants to grow up and be huge like all the other trees. He's small enough for hares to jump over him, and he feels sad when people say that he's the smallest one in the forest, so he's, you know, he's got self-esteem issues. And a stork comes along and tells him about all the tall trees that are being chopped down and used as tr- ship masts, and he's jealous of those big trees. Which seems weird to me because presumably he doesn't know that when he's cut down, he will die. But anyway, um, one day, he's finally cut down. Should we be picking (laughs) holes in Hank Christian Anderson? (laughs) (laughs) And he's used as a Christmas tree. He's brought inside and um, decorated with candles and sweets and stuff. And then some kids come in. He's still alive and experiencing this, which, as I just said, seems a bit... Weird, because surely he would die when you he's do chopped water down. You do water Christmas trees, though, real ones, don't you? So. Yeah, and they they survive a little bit longer, like flowers like in them, like chickens. When you cut their heads off, <laughs> put them in water, <laughs> they thrive. We we replanted our Christmas tree from last year in our in-laws' garden. It's still there. Some kids come in and they take all the sweets off of him. They chillax and listen to a bloke tell the story of Clumpy Dumpy. Which is apparently not the same as Humpty Dumpty. That's <laughs> his brother, right? I want to hear it, yeah. A relative, I assume. Um, so, presumably, the tree's got what he wanted at this point. Because, you know, he's serving a purpose. He's just like all the big trees. He's being loved and chopped down. But once Christmas is over, the servants take him up to the attic where he tells the story of Clumpy Dumpy, passes that story on to some rats who make fun of him because... It's a shit story. <laughs> and then they bugger off. There's not even a wall in it. <laughs> and he's left to rot alone in the attic until spring. And in spring, he's taken to the garden, chopped up and burned. So, <laughs> so it's a real happy story from Hans Christian Andersen. Just what you can expect, really. But my point is, if you think it's so hard just to put a brave face on... I'm going to do some victim blaming here. <laughs> if you think it's so hard just to put a brave face on... Spend some time with the people who love you at Christmas. Imagine what life is like for a Christmas tree, grown for one purpose and then thrown away after the festivities are over. I bet that little fir tree would give its left nut to switch places with you, Scrooge. There, I've I've done it. Fuck you, Scrooge. (laughs) Unless you're being responsible like Liam and replanting it. Do you know Frozen's based on Hans Christian Andersen, right? I had a dream, it was a curious thing A wonderful podcast presenter's problem solved for me They helped me with my miserable life I had a fresh new start La-da-da But alas, when I awoke, all I could find was agony Problem three of our Christmas special I want to have Christmas Day at home, just me and my wife. She wants to go out with some other couples I'm not keen on. Shall I grin and bear it, or stand my ground? There's a Johnny Cash song, isn't there, called, um, I don't know actually what it's called, but it goes, Gonna stand my ground. I walk the line. (laughs) (laughs) Ring of fire. (laughs) That's it, don't you know it, Liam? (laughs) At Christmas. I was going to say that uh, we need to think of a name for this person. 
Yeah. I wasn't going to say that, but we do. Johnny. Uh, Johnny. Johnny. After Johnny, Johnny Cash. After Johnny Cash, who famously stood his ground. Yeah, on Christmas. <laughs> um, Johnny, well, you want to be, I think you want to be very careful about this. You don't, you don't want to have a big blazing row with your spouse at Christmas time. Did you know, in 2018, The Independent reported that January was the most popular time for couples to start legal divorce proceedings. <laughs> I think you mentioned this in a previous podcast as well. I about, do think, yeah. About the sale of your flat. And they reckon, <laughs> yeah, they reckon it's because, you know, you spend a lot of time with people over Christmas and then you just end up, you know, all of their little things that annoy you about them stand out and it just gets a bit too much it's a shame isn't it because we've spent the whole episode saying use this time to spend time with people you love (laughs) now you're saying and it will ruin your relationship with them (laughs) and if you do ruin your relationship with them then you're going to be pretty sad and lonely when it does come around to christmas and and nowhere is this felt more keenly than in mud's 1974 christmas number one lonely this christmas Oh, what a tune. It was once my favourite Christmas song when I was about eight. Were you a lonely boy? <laughs> I, I feel know, personally I insulted by that because it is my favourite Christmas song. <laughs> no, I'm not saying, no, it's just, I'm, like, it's changed when, now. Yeah, when I was, when I, when I was when young I was, and stupid, I thought it was great. Well, when <laughs> I was young and stupid because I also loved the, uh, the Smurfs do Christmas. <laughs> Highly underrated, I find. <laughs> I think the, the, the opening lines to this song are, are heartbreaking. Try to imagine a house that's not a home. Try to imagine a Christmas all alone. Don't need to. Try to imagine a dog without a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Try to imagine. And Lots of Sylvester no Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard the song, it's it's something of an homage to Elvis Presley, both in the kind of instrumentation and the vocal style. So much so, is it an homage to Elvis Presley that there's lots of people who are convinced it is by him. There's a lot of videos on YouTube that just say, Lonely This Christmas, Elvis Presley, and then this song is playing. Is it a conspiracy theory? Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Elvis is still alive. Wait, hang on, what year did Elvis die? Uh, 84? Okay, so he would have been alive anyway, so it's not that much of a conspiracy. It's not like I, he came back from I the I read a, um, 40 pictures of people before, just before they died, like yesterday, and Elvis was on it. <laughs> I don't know why I read that, but it's come up. That's a very odd thing to, uh, to be reading. Yeah, did you get trapped by clickbait? Yeah, at Christmas. <laughs> Christmas clickbait. I know, I often get trapped by Christmas clickbait because I've got such spirit at the moment, you know. I just click on anything. I'm like, I'll give you a click, don't worry. Elvis died in 77. Yeah, oh, 84. So. <laughs> he was seven years out. Three, three years after he recorded Lonely This Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, the final time Mud performed it on Top of the Pops was in January 1975 and uh, it coincided with Elvis's 40th birthday and at the end of it, the vocalist Les Gray Change the final spoken verse to say, Merry Christmas, Elvis, wherever you are. Which I thought was quite So nice. he's alive. Uh, well, he was at the time. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> Conspiracy. Do you think Elvis <laughs> lived? <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the point is, I'm just saying, you might want to pick your battles with this one because you really don't want to be lonely this Christmas. All right, yeah. Um, if you thought that was tenuous, wait for my next example. <laughs> <laughs> you want tenuous? How about no examples? <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm going to sort of agree with you, but go off on a little bit of a different direction. So in Skipping Christmas by John Grisham, published by Dell, Luther and Nora Crank's daughter has gone away for a year and they're feeling a bit down on Christmas. They spent a few thousand dollars last year on Christmas and they're now realising, what have we got to show for it? Nothing. So 
They decide, a bit like you want to, Johnny, to withdraw from big celebrations. But they go a bit further than you want to. They pretty much cancel Christmas entirely. They don't decorate their house, they don't get a tree, and they book a Caribbean cruise instead to leave on Christmas Day. Sounds nice. But their neighbours don't approve. And all the local charities get upset that the cranks aren't giving to them this year, giving money to them. Weirdly, people pick it outside their house and call them constantly, demanding that they decorate their house for Christmas. Why would you pick it outside their house if you know they're not there? Or they they haven't gone yet? They're they're there in the lead-up to Christmas, yeah. And uh, Why would you pick it at all, Carl? It's an alien (laughs) concept to me in a neighbourhood like mine where... I would expect my neighbours to mind their own fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't want to decorate my house, you can piss off. Well, that's the British way, isn't it? Just like sneer at them from afar. Like, hey. <laughs> um, but, you know, their plan is set and they get through it by looking forward to their cruise. But out of the blue, on Christmas Eve, their daughter calls and says she's back. She's at the airport, ready to come home for Christmas with her parents. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> she asks if they're having their usual Christmas party Nora Crank her mum panics and says yep yep we are so obviously it's a comedy novel so begins a hilarious and chaotic panty panty planning (laughs) party planning operation in which as you would expect from a Christmas story all the people who felt betrayed by them the people who were picketing pull together and Help them restore the holiday tradition. Now, this isn't an, a, a book with advice for your predicament. It's just a warning, Johnny. You might plan for a private Christmas, just you and your wife. And you might do everything you can to stay home, just with you two. But if the real world is any, anything like the one described in Skipping Christmas, then you should expect some gate crashes. All the people you were trying to avoid might just end up coming around to your house anyway and force themselves upon you. If the picketers would say, oh, we'll help you, I'll be like, fuck off, you fucking fucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck off, you fucking fucks, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, uh, um, or maybe it won't feel good. But either way, you have to be prepared for socialising, I think. You might lock yourselves in, but these people you were trying to push away might end up turning up anyway. That's just all I'm saying, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Is the film Christmas with the Cranks based on this? I don't know. Because it's... Sounds like it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because <laughs> I was going to have that as uh, one of mine, but then it's meant to be shit, so I thought, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> Is that the plot of Christmas? No idea. Let me, oh, I'll let me bring it up while it. Liam talks. Um, uh, or you talk, whatever. To be fair, this got a mixed reception, this book, as well. Critics weren't going wild over it. it sounds, so it sounds pretty far-fetched, to be honest. So, like, th- this... I'm not sure if I fully understood what you were saying because I'm not very good at listening. <laughs> but, but it sounds like the neighbourhood was outraged because this family weren't giving them money or giving money to charity for Christmas. And like, yeah, okay, there's a bit... People with a lot of money might feel that they have a bit of a social obligation to, to share it at Christmas time. But I don't think there's any kind of obligation... I just said that, didn't I? Shit. Mm. I don't. I don't think you you can go around expecting people to give you their money. It no, seems a little bit. I think um, it's a very American thing, isn't it? Like we don't even have Boy Scouts come to our door, but I think one of the groups that is um, 
feels a bit betrayed by the cranks in this book are the Boy Scouts who they would normally, you know, they go around collecting and the cranks refuse them this year. We don't even have them popping up at the door, do we, here? So The novel was Skipping Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it is based on it. Mm. Mate, three years later, 2004, they were like, this is gold, obviously. <laughs> and it should have been a slam dunk um, for Christmas films. Mm. You've got... It's written by Chris Columbus. What did he write? America. Direct, First Harry Potter. He discovered America. He di- yes, and um, Home Alone. He directed. You know, okay. So yeah. he's Christmas royalty. Christmas royalty. Yeah. <laughs> you got Tim Allen in it, who's the Father Christmas, isn't he? Oh yeah. And Buzz yeah. Lightyear. Yeah, the Santa Claus. And Buzz Lightyear, Christmas royalty. Dan Aykroyd, who Liam famously played once at a fancy dress competition. It, it wasn't a competition. <laughs> <laughs> just because you lost, <laughs> did you win? <laughs> um, but yeah, a Jamie Lee Curtis, the JLC. Um, she's in it, so it should have been a great film, but I haven't watched it. Maybe I'll watch it and How did it back. go? What are the ratings like? Uh, let's have a look. <laughs> 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. 5%? That's pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> How can that mix of people be 5%? <laughs> what happened? Johnny, if you want to have a happy Christmas, avoid that film. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess I'll go. I don't know if you've got anything else, Carl. A mirthless movie as fresh as last year's fruitcake. Christmas with the Cranks is a coarse, garish comedy that promotes conformity. Anyway, off you go, Liam. Well, so earlier I was talking about, uh, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to get into a big blazing row at Christmas. On the off chance that you do get into a big blazing <laughs> row at Christmas, take... Christmas and shove it. <laughs> you're you're going to need to make up for it in style, right? And what better style than pouring out your heart while dressed in a furry white parka? Oh, oh Liam. Are we you know understanding this reference? About. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you want to get your Christmas bells out. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the 1994. 1994 is a very common year for good Christmas songs, apparently. Um, it's when Elvis died. <laughs> <laughs> um, East 17's 1994 hit Stay Another Day um, I take issue with this in the same way what you were talking about Carl about Die Hard being a Christmas yeah. film is it a Christmas song? it's not really a Christmas song is it? now I know it is because it was a Christmas number one wasn't it? I think did it get to number one? so I know that it is a Christmas song technically but all they really did was take the song hadn't they re-released it for Christmas? wasn't it already released? Or there had already been a version recorded yeah. or something. There is two videos to it, a Christmas yeah. video and a non-Christmas video. All they did was take the song and add bells to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like when you, I mean, I, I read about it. I didn't do a great deal of research. I read about it on Wikipedia and it sounds very, very cynical. Like they were just like, yeah, we'll just add the bells. It'll be a Christmas song. <laughs> it was number one for five weeks. The great thing about this song <laughs> is that it, it serves as a double whammy. It's a declaration of undying love and humility, um, but it's still surreptitiously pushing your agenda of having a quiet day in together, even if it's just for another day. Let's stay in another day. Stay, stay in, in, stay in. in. <laughs> so, a fun fact about this song is that it has no drums. Have you ever noticed that before? No. It's, it's one of the few kind of big pop Christmas number ones that just doesn't have any drums. It's got some timpani at the end, but that's this it. This is like when you told us that other song was purely a cappella, yeah. no instruments. Which one was that? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> no <laughs> instruments. It was um, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, uh, and the point? What's the point? 
You tell us, Liam. Sometimes, you brought it up. Sometimes I think we should fold the point into our speaking rather than get to the end and say, and this is the point I'm trying to make. It's because we haven't thought of points in advance and we have to quickly think of one on the fly. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I just really like this song and I wanted to talk about it. It's a great it. song. It is a change. And there is not really much of a point. Well, it's funny you say that, Liam, because I haven't got any films to talk about at all. Um, and so you want to do a rendition of this song instead so I think just we should to fill the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's fill some dead air. Um, it's a shame they didn't write any films about being home alone at Christmas. It's funny you say that. Isn't it? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I am going to talk about 1990s Home Alone directed by Chris Columbus. Um, which is an example of what may happen if you are, like, obviously you'll be home with your family. But if you consider being alone, like, you know, you're not with other people except your family. What if burglars come, if you're out, then they could burgle your house? <laughs> Actually, so stay in. This is such a fucking massive stretch. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd just done your homework. This is what we normally say about homework, Liam. But this one was just too difficult. Um, but my, I think what you should do is throw on your favourite Christmas film. And Home Alone's one of mine. Merry Christmas, you dirty animal. Here's a, here's a question for you. If Die Hard isn't a Christmas film, why is Home Alone? It's actually... It's, oh, yeah. Christmas. It's about Christmas. What? It's about being home alone at Christmas. Die Hard's about a Christmas party at Christmas. No, it's not. It's about a terrorist group <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs> uh, I thought I, you didn't care about this debate, and then suddenly you're vehemently. I do see what you mean now, Carl. Mm. You've converted me, and you've alienated Lee. <laughs> I call that a win. I don't know how you can possibly say Home Alone isn't a Christmas film. I'm not saying it isn't. I watch it I'm every saying Die Hard is. And he dances around to rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. In that film. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> how is that Christmassy? I do that in summer. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to cut your bullshit to an end, Carl. And bring it back to the art that relates to this problem. Bring it back. Yep. Uh, Agatha Christie wrote a short story collection called... The Adventures of the Christmas... Oh, wait a minute. That's wrong. <laughs> cool. Oh, my bullshit. Will you? <laughs> Called The Adventure of the Christmas Pudding and a Selection of Entrees. This sounds like my type of film. Uh, book, sorry. Published, Make it a film. <laughs> published by Collins Crime Club. Now, it has actually no real advice in itself, <laughs> but it gave me an idea on how you could solve your problem, Johnny, and blow your friends off. You could say, you, there's actually several possibilities. You could say that something terrible has happened and you need to investigate it because obviously, because it's Agatha Christie, it's... Um, there has to be an investigation. A murder mystery. Mm. Kill someone, are you saying? <laughs> well, I'm saying you could say something terrible has happened. Don't kill someone. <laughs> but you just could say there's something you, you need to investigate. In a clean, untouched environment, so you can't have them coming round, contaminating the scene. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> contamination. Or, you could set up an elaborate mystery for them to solve. Leave clues all around the town, and have them running round like Hercule Poirot, searching for clues to solve the mystery. And if, really you make it, if you make it unsolvable... They won't ever come round for dinner. Because they'll be out. Investigating forever. Yeah. Or you could pretend to have been murdered. Just get someone else to phone up all your friends saying he can't come round because he's been murdered. Like the canoe guy. Remember the canoe guy? Yeah, like the canoe guy. And then in come January, when you're in the mood for socialising again, you can phone them up again and say, Oh, it turns out I was alive. <laughs> 
I'm so dishevelled though. Um, so we're, we're recording this in, in 2020. I think this is probably, if, you, if you're looking for excuses to spend Christmas alone, you've got a pretty good excuse this I year. was going to say, we're recording this at a time when second lockdown hasn't happened yet. I mean, we're recording it live. You're in hearing one. it live at Christmas. <laughs> this is right now. But we don't know, if, for all we know, we're all going to be forced to spend Christmas alone anyway. <laughs> so if you are forced to spend Christmas alone, let us know how it goes. Yeah. Um, and we'll be in the same boat. Just it'll be in the future for us, although this is live. We'll have to resolve this time difference. <laughs> we shouldn't really be talking about it. Oh. You brought it up. I didn't. I said we're recording this in 2020, which is true. But I'm wondering if it will be true when we've launched it. We've really fucked this up. <laughs> uh, maybe we should wrap up because before we dig a deeper hole for ourselves. Has anyone got any wrap up points or are we done? Um, wrap up your presents. <laughs> Christmas wrap. Why haven't you mentioned? Yeah, there's so many Christmas songs you haven't mentioned, by the way. Unbelievable! Yeah, We've got to save them for Christmas special series two. Oh, and twenty-seven. So come on, yeah. hang on a minute. Carl, who didn't have anything written down for that problem just then, is having a go at me for not mentioning some Christmas song. That's yeah. true. Christmas wrapping. You're not bringing the Christmas spirit, Carl. You're mm. Liam blaming. <laughs> is there any anyone else to blame? All right. Well, yeah. It sounds like we're out of time. Um, out of examples, rather. So. Uh, We've, we better get to bed before Sandy Claus slides down our chimney and empties his sack all over us. <laughs> but oh. we've got one more gift for you this festive season, listeners. And that is the episode notes at agonyartpodcast.com. <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> Where you can find links to all the media we mentioned today and a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs that Liam Didn't prepared mention. for us, which apparently is an incomplete list, according to Carl. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group, Instagram and Twitter accounts, that's at Agony Art Podcast, or on the submissions page on our website. Where should fan mail go? <laughs> Do it again. What do you say? Where should fan mail go? Uh, we haven't got an email address. Oh. <laughs> we, we haven't need, got any fans. We need a fan mail. You have to slide into our DMs. How are people? We're telling people to write in. How are they going to write in? I just said by reaching out to our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. That's got a free text field, so you can send your fan mail there if you really want to get in touch with us. If you want to complain, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> Liam's also assuming we're going to have fans. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean assuming? We've got loads of fans. It's Christmas. They're all outside, actually. They're listening live, waiting for my eggnog. All right, you can get in touch with us by the submissions page as well. You can you can submit whatever you want on that page. It might not even be read. Who knows? Send us a present. <laughs> <laughs> so all that's left is for me to thank our resident agony aunts for their contributions. Thank you, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. Merry Christmas! I can hear the sleigh bells. Mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here at Agony Art. Agony Art. Agony Art.